Hi everybody, you're listening to The Rope Podcast with Box and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you are not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. Rope bondage is a risky activity, and you shouldn't attempt it without first getting proper training. Listen to episode zero if you haven't already. Fox is a rigger, and Maya is a bottom. We are long-term rope partners who live in Bangkok, Thailand. We love to share our passion for rope with the wider community. This episode is made possible by our patrons who support us each month. If you would like to help, head to ropepodcast.com to see many options. This year, we want to focus on bringing the Rope Podcast to a wider audience. To achieve that, we would like to ask you to follow us on Instagram and reshare this episode in your Instagram stories. We are Rope Podcast on Instagram. Another thing that helps us is if you give us a star rating on Apple Podcasts. It's anonymous, so you won't have your name visible on the internet connected with a kinky podcast, don't worry. And now, going on with the show. Ren Sheher is a rope switch and artist, as well as being the host of the Shibari Study Podcast and the Corn Corner Podcast. She is joining us today on the Rope Podcast from Los Angeles, California. Hi, Ren, and welcome to the Rope Podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's so good. Such so a pleasure. So good to have you here. Uh, tell us, Ren, how did you discover rope bondage in the first place? I discovered it because I was dating a couple at the time. And this was my first instance with anything outside of the cishet norm. It was my first poly thing. It was my first kinky thing. And I remember seeing latex and some other kinky items that I just kind of saw in movies. And I was excited about it, but I was exploring a ton of stuff at the time. Like, like I was saying, new relationship dynamics, the whole thing. And one day, the girl in the couple said, hey, I have a friend coming into town and he does rope. And I was like, okay, cool. And she was like, do you want to come and hang out or whatever? And I really had no idea what rope was and I didn't care. I just wanted any excuse to hang out with this couple that I was seeing. Uh-huh. So I was like, yeah, of course. So I remember stressing about what to wear because I had no idea what this activity <laughs> was going to be. And I showed up and I opened the garage door and she was suspended and things were happening to her. And they were all like, Amazing. hello. And I was like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> How did it feel seeing that suddenly for the first time? It was kind of shocking. I'll be honest. I had no idea what was going on. And I remember everyone was really confident and they invited me in. They're like, come in. And I remember just going in there and feeling included. And it was more shocking, but not in a bad way for me. I, I just never seen anything like it. Okay, and did you end up participating that time? I did. I broke the rule. Everyone gives out the arbitrary rule of don't get suspended your first time in rope. Okay. I did it. I was in an Agora, and I think a TK that wasn't loaded or something. But yes, I very much wanted to do rope. I was like, put me in that, suspend me. I want to be doing what she's doing how did it feel that first time it's hard to put myself there i don't remember it being painful i remember wanting to feel 
wanted and desired in the rope. Mm. Those were the feelings that came up for me. And I remember there were Polaroids taken and I loved those Polaroids. because I loved the way my body looked. I loved how the waist of the Gora like cinched in my body. That made me feel really, really happy. So it was really just, it made me feel desired in a way that I hadn't felt before. Okay, and from there, how did you continue engaging with Rope after that first experience? This person and I stayed in contact and we kept doing Rope together for a while. And that's really how I got into the Rope scene. I Hmm. wanted to do everything under the sun pertaining to Rope. It became my life. I became obsessed with it. It was all I wanted to do. And that was my entry point was just seeing it that one time and then diving into any and every event that I could. I made the Instagram, I followed all the people, that whole thing. Awesome. And that local scene that you joined, can you describe it briefly for us? I didn't really join a local scene. And I think this was one of the big problems with how I got into Rope, to be completely honest. I joined with a person and we were very insulated and all the people that we interacted with were also very insulated. So I didn't have a lot of outside opinions on what was going on. I didn't have a quote unquote community around Mm -hmm. how I was learning and growing. So to be honest, the scene didn't really exist to me in my brain. I didn't even know what a larger scene was until much later. Okay, and so does this fact that you were a bit isolated or insulated bring any challenges or problems for you? Yeah, absolutely. I think that it brought a ton of them. I think that it it brought a lot of things because I was in my own head. I was looking at stuff like it was the first time it had ever happened. I had no one else's input. I developed a lot of bad habits talking to myself saying i'm not strong enough i can't do this i'm a bad bottom these kinds of things that only really happen that when they fester in your own mind Uh and i think once i had more people in i saw more versions of rope happening and that was really really good to me Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. We really want to share our love of rope to as many listeners as possible, and for that we need your help. Please go to Instagram and follow our account Rope Podcast, then reshare this episode in your stories. Show your love of rope and help others discover it too. At that time when you started engaging quite intensely, it sounds like, with rope, were you exclusively a bottom? No, it was a switch. I wanted to switch. Well, actually, in the very, 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 very beginning, I did not want to switch. And it was because I wanted to... I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this, but interact with femininity as stereotypically common as I could. I didn't want to okay. do anything that could be seen as masculine. And so okay. I only wanted to bottom. But then I realized very, very quickly, this was a short period where I thought that. Then I realized that's not really true and I can top in ways that make me feel good. So, Mm. yeah, so then I started switching. But then the time commitment, 
the learning commitment. There's a lot there. And life just didn't really allow me to continue that topping journey, I suppose. What do you like about rope now? I have a much healthier relationship with rope now. Way healthier. It's not everything in my life. I don't tie with a ton of people. Now I like the fact that I can connect with individuals that I want to connect with and I can be in a space that my phone can't be a part of and I get to feel like I have climbed the mountain. I've done the thing. I've felt the pain. I've done a really challenging activity with somebody else. And that's fun and rewarding to me. In terms of style or intent, how would you describe what kind of rope you like the most? I like challenging rope. I don't know if the word Simonawa should be used. Oh, absolutely. It can be. Torture rope. We can use it. Everybody, we can use it. So I'm going to use it. Simonawa. Um, but I do like to feel like I'm being pushed. I'm being hurt. I like going against the wall and pushing myself a little bit further. That's really, really fun to me. So challenging rope is cool to me. That's the stuff that I really, really like. What do you feel you get out of it? I've made an analogy a couple of times where I don't really like hiking, but I really enjoy the beer after the hike. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I get out of it. I get out of it the after. The feeling like you've done so much and sitting on the couch in a blanket feels so good. Mm. That kind of thing. Does your partner's attitude to the scene matter to you for this sense of satisfaction? Do you want to be validated in a certain way by your partner or be told certain things after the scene? Words are really important to me. And this is actually a cool thing to bring up because it's something that I've discussed with my main tying partner where I need to hear, hey, you're strong. Hey, good job. Hey, you're doing a good job. That's really important to me in rope. And that's really all I need for aftercare in a lot of ways. Even during the scene, if I just get a little, damn, you're really doing this, I can get through a lot. <laughs> that goes a really long way for me. So I would say yes, but also I don't tie with a lot of people that aren't also into the rope that I like. So there's not a lot of times where we don't match up, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And you also do um, performances and you bottom for classes. So I wanted to talk about that a bit. What kinds of performance do you do and how does that work? The majority of the performances that I do are with somebody that I really like and I tie with a lot. And there happens to be a performance opportunity. I would say that performance isn't what I look at with rope. The thing I really like about performance is doing the thing in front of people. I like being observed. That's really fun to me. But I want, if I could have it anyway, I would perform just the way that I tie in private with somebody. That doesn't always make for the best performance and it depends on the crowd and things like that. So if it's an event where it's only rope people and I'm using huge air quotes here, performance, this is kind of more just like a rope jam and having your friends around watching. That's uh -huh. the most fun for me. 
Because then people really know what hurts and what doesn't hurt and what's challenging and what's not challenging. And there's nothing more annoying than hanging from a fudo and having the crowd go crazy. And you're thinking to yourself, like, I'm so happy to be in this fucking fudo right now. <laughs> because yeah. everything I was in before this sucked so much more. So I generally like those kind of performances. But I will throw in some kitschy, fun stuff if we have to. But I generally let whoever's topping come up with those ideas. I think the um, other very annoying thing is when you have been in a really difficult position and you've been dying and people say, oh, you look so serene. Yeah. You look so happy. You look so peaceful. Like that drives me insane. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. There's yeah. a, the person I tie with most, she'll come up to me and then she'll be like, oh, you look so serene right now. You look so beautiful, Ren. Oh, you're so gracious. <laughs> like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's so amazing. Or like if someone does ooh and awe ah about something that's easy, she'll make a big deal of it personally uh -huh. and I can hear it. So she's kind of fucking with me. And that's amazing as well. That adds a lot. Oh, that is great. Yeah. Uh, what about your engagement with rope education? Yeah, the classes thing was a cool question because I hadn't really thought about it until you asked me. And I realized when I do bottom for classes teach i take a very well, i don't know how to describe this but i'm super intentional about a lot of stuff i do during that day i want to sleep really well when i eat is really important so i wake up super early and eat something like oatmeal that's not mm -hmm. super fatty or whatever and i want to let that digest i'm really concerned about my water intake and stretching so i do a lot of tactile things like that but I also get in a mindset of because the classes that I'm bottoming for when I do are also as challenging as the scenes. It's kind of like three scenes that we're doing and they're all yep. super challenging and hard. Um, Kissing Deadly Doll and I did a predicaments class that was brutal. We did another suspensions with bamboo class that was absolutely brutal. So I usually tell myself, number one, you're going to be okay. And number two, the ramen at the end of this night is going to be so good. You just got to get through it. And you're giving your body to this class and you can't tap out. And I know I can't tap out. I have to get through the sequence all the way. And I think that that actually helps a lot. I'm seeing a pattern with the beer after the hike and the ramen after the predicament <laughs> class. Like if you ever visit in Thailand and we tie together, I'll make sure to have some really good food to promise you if you can get through the scene. I've been scheming on how to get to Thailand from day one. I'm like, we're going to do so much food. I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be great. Hey, dear listeners, this concludes the first half of our interview with Wicked Ren. Catch us on our next episode of the Rope Podcast, where we discuss her role as a podcast host. See you soon. Thanks for listening. And have fun tying. <laughs>